0: Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast, the show empowering and educating people on how they can grow, manage, and protect their wealth through real estate investing.
1: Now, here's your host, Bailey Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Kramer, and today we are joined by our very special guest, Josh Ferrari. Josh has been investing in real estate for the past three years, and he's a full-time aircraft technician, turned real estate investor and syndicator. Josh has used his networking abilities to raise more than seven million dollars for real estate transactions.
0: Welcome to the show, Josh. Man, good to be here. I know the show is called Real Estate Investing Made Simple. So hopefully I can <laughs> I can make this simple for you guys.
1: That's that's the goal right here. So before we before we make something simple, and we'll find out what that is soon. I want to give the listeners a little bit more of a background about who you are, how you got here, and what you do.
0: Well, who I am. Well, I am Josh Ferrari. I it was born, no, wasn't born. I was actually born in Nebraska, but I, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. That's what I tell everyone. My dad's in the Navy. We moved around a lot. And Memphis is where we resided the longest. I went to college there to become an aircraft technician, and then immediately after college, moved down to Mobile, Alabama, where and when I thought I was starting this long-standing career in aviation. What now has turned into like, get me out of this place. I want to go full-time into real estate. So moved down here about six months. Had just gotten married. First time moving out of my parents' house and I was moving states away. And my dad calls me up one day and tells me that him and my mom are going to start flipping houses. And I was just... Like, what does that even mean? Wow. Where (laughs) where is the interest in house flipping coming from? Right. I know you guys aren't wealthy. Where's the money? I had so many questions. So I had like a four hour conversation. He had implanted this idea in my head that it was possible to make more than my annual salary in like a few months, like in one deal. Like, man, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that just be powerful? And then if I could just keep repeating that, where would I be? And so I started diving into the world of education. He told me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was just like another solidification of some education and mindset shifts that real estate was possible. And then I just continued reading, listening to podcasts. Uh, I went to actually three different local real estate investor meetups in my area. This was back when meetups were a thing. Um <laughs> And just learned as much as I could. I ended up jumping into wholesaling. I did that for about five to six months. Didn't close a single deal. Got like seven or eight deals under contract to be flipped by like a buyer, but no buyer ever bought any. So I'm sure that was partly my fault, but it was just another learning curve. You know, another thing that I was learning, spending all the money on marketing. And then we were like, all right, well, let's let's quit this. You know the, the whole point of this was to build the capital stack and get a baseline level experience into the real estate industry. Well, how about we just save the money we have and buy something? Because we wanted to do that anyway. Buying whole strategy is what we wanted to do. So two months later, we bought a fourplex, house hacked it, syndicated it. I use the word syndicate lightly because it was just me calling up my dad and saying, hey, <laughs> I got this fourplex that I'm thinking about house hacking. You want to shoot me over the down payment? And I'll give you a piece of equity in exchange. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So that's what we did. Um, basically, I was syndicating before I knew what syndication was. And then I ended up doing everything on that deal from being a realtor to being the inspector to being the contractor to being the plumber and then everything else you could possibly imagine. It was chaos. It was the school of hard knocks, but it was the best learning curve I've ever experienced in my real estate investing journey. So Then throughout the next six months of having owned that deal and going through that process, I dove deeper into multifamily and found out what real syndication was ended up finding a mentor fast forward to today. I now have two business partners. Uh, We're all kind of down here in the Gulf Coast. I'm in Mobile and my partners in Gulf Shores, the other ones in Destin, Florida. So this is kind of our niche market area. Uh, we've since closed a 21-unit single-family portfolio, a 42-unit apartment complex, a 34-unit apartment complex. We've got another 89 units under contract, which consists of an 88-unit apartment complex and a luxury flip, believe it or not, completely one wow. off. And then we've got another 148 units. We're about to get under contract with another 500 units worth of LOIs that we've submitted. That's why wow. I am
1: today amazing amazing and it sounds like it happened overnight now of course not so <laughs> so real quick when, when you talked about wholesaling how far how far back was that
0: that was all the way back right at the beginning so january of 2018 is when 2018? i was 18 okay so first...
1: really really not too long ago yeah three years ago
0: that was, my, yeah, yeah, cool. that was three years about my entire career here and that's awesome really diving
1: into real estate Right. So why did you first decide to get, to try wholesaling? What was the, like you, you your dad gave you the book, you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, You got all hyped. Why Why was wholesaling your first step? Wholesaling
0: was not my idea. Let me just say, first and <laughs> foremost, I was talked into doing wholesaling by uh, one of the local um Real estate investor meetup, like leaders. One of the guys running one of the meetup, he pitches all the time to any new investor. Like wholesaling is what you get into you should get into. It's low risk. You get to enter in the space and learn a bunch of stuff from people that know what they're doing. You don't have to have money or credit checks, background checks. You don't have to have any of this stuff. And you also get to like grow wealth and find out that real estate really works for you. It sounded great. I was like, yeah. I'll get into the marketing. I'll figure out everything I need to know about wholesaling. And then hopefully, if this is true, you know, because we would hear a lot of success stories too inside of the the meetup of people getting $5,000, $10,000 here and there on wholesales. And then a few guys got twenty dollars or $30,000 on their first few wholesales. And it was like... Twenty to thirty thousand dollars would be life changing for me at that time. So, right. you know, where would I, where could I be if we had that kind of money? How many more wholesale deals could we do by dumping this money into marketing or what have you? Right. If we did this, so that was kind of my entry into wholesaling, and then it ended up being, I won't say a catastrophe. I did learn, I did learn a lot. I was able to talk to a lot of investors once I got deals under contract, and I was trying to, you know, like sell it to a buyer. They were giving me all the reasons why they weren't going to buy it or why they thought it was a bad deal or why it didn't work for them. And so it was great for me to have those conversations and kind of figure out what I needed to be buying for my buyers. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't the direction I wanted to head in. So that's why we ended up just buying something.
1: Right. So, so what happened after there? And, and do, you, do you remember how much money you spent on the marketing and all that a lot, Jazz? Bro, like 10 grand
0: on marketing, yeah. gone out the window, yeah. but, but I say that it kind of is a joke because it is gone, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily get a return on investment for it, but at the same time, I, I was kind of like paying for my education. So, right. you know, they always say you're going to pay for it one way or the other, whether, whether you're actually going to a course and paying the money or whether you're just trying to do it on your own That's and you're losing true. money and not making any money. So I was going through the school of hard knocks and just paying for it and trying to figure it out as I went. And it was... I learned a lot. That's, that's the, yeah. the moral of the story. And what I got out of it was that it's, it's not a complete negative. Yes, it was discouraging, but I didn't let it completely destroy my continued pursuit of real estate.
1: Right. So after after six months of wholesale, I mean, or trying to wholesale, you know, getting in that game, it must have it been tough mentally, maybe a little bit physically as well. How do you, how do you get to that next point where you're like, hmm, I'm ready to just invest? and get your first property?
0: Well, all along the process, even when I had first started the wholesaling journey, I knew that the goal was buy and hold. I knew that I was doing right. this for the purpose of getting into that. So once we just kept throwing money away and throwing money away and nothing was happening, because yeah, everyone says, you know, give it 90 days or just like, don't quit, right. keep going. Right. If you don't get anything, keep going. So I was like, all right, it's been three months. I'm gonna keep going. All right, nothing happened another month. All right, nothing happened another month. And at that point, it was like, okay, this... Obviously, I could keep going and eventually I might see some amazing success, but this is not the path I wanted to go down anyway. So I'm going to refocus, pivot my focus into what I actually wanted to do, which is buy and hold. So I guess the answer to that is just, I knew what I wanted. I knew the direction I wanted to head in. Um, And it it was my wife and I, you know, it was us as a team. So we knew where we wanted to head and the lifestyle that we eventually wanted, which is, you know, freedom of time, passive income. So I tried to not let continued failure get in the way of of what could be. So that's when we decided to just jump into a house hack, which is what we thought would be the most plausible for us in our financial situation at the time, kind of that entry, that next level of entry level experience. Since we didn't think we had really gotten any experience from the wholesaling, (laughs) we were like, well, we'll just house hack.
1: Right. Can you kind of explain for the listeners that don't know what house hacking means and maybe even break down what that, what that looked like for you guys.
0: So house hacking can be any number of things, I guess, depending on the actual asset that you buy. So we could have bought a single family house. We could have rented out it, rented the other bedrooms out, or we could have lived in the living room and rented out the <laughs> bedrooms. Or there could have been a garage that we turned into a livable space or whatever uh, with a single family house, or we could have done a duplex, triplex, quadplex, lived in one of the units, like the apartment units and rented out the other units. And then in essence, what you're doing there is you're having other people pay for your mortgage. So you're living there. So you're getting the benefits of actually living in this property, but someone else is paying rent, which not all the time, but most of the time is going to pay for your mortgage and your expenses that you have. And I would I would even go as so as far as to say don't be discouraged or not do a deal like buy a house hack if it doesn't fully cover the mortgage. Don't be like, well, dang, I'm paying two hundred dollars a month for this house and it's not covering it. It's not a good deal. I mean, two hundred dollars a month for a duplex or whatever it is you bought is probably amazing. You know, these other plus people. When you, have,
1: plus, when you move out as well, then it'll yeah. be. Finally cash flow positive.
0: Exactly. So what that looked like for us was I was thinking big. You know, I was thinking I wanted to get into multifamily, um, at least smaller multis. I the what had gotten so ingrained into my brain was what Brandon Turner calls the the stack. Uh, cause I was listening to bigger pockets a lot and I was very active on bigger pockets at the time and so he talked about the stack where you like buy one house then you buy like a duplex, quadplex and eight unit and so that was just always what I thought before I really knew what syndication was that was always the direction I thought I was going to head in. So when we decided to buy something I said, "Well shoot, I am going to bypass the single family and the duplex. We are going to go straight to the fourplex." Um and even though we might not be able to afford the the down payment per se, you know, I'll just ask my parents. They're into real estate. They're trying to invest, you know. I'll see what they want to do. So that was my thought process, and so we ended up finding this fourplex actually on the MLS. Which, if I look back now, full cycle, we actually did go full cycle with that deal. Sold it back in January of this year. But if I look back, full cycle, there's probably a reason it was on the MLS and it had snatched <laughs> up. But it was such a tremendous level of experience that we learned from that. It was so stressful. It played a toll on my physical health, my mental health, my marriage. It played a toll on our finances. It played a big toll. It's not for the faint of heart, uh, (laughs) needless to say. And I probably should have done some more due diligence. I probably should have done what Brendan said and maybe started on a smaller deal because this was a 4,100 square foot house. Four units, you know, four kitchens, five or six bathrooms. I mean, it was a hundred year old house, so you know I'm buying issues. Yeah, and it was our first ever purchase, first ever real estate purchase. Like we never owned a house before that. I always lived with our parents or rented. Our first investment property, first multifamily, first renovation, first house hack, first syndication. It was literally the first everything, and so. (laughs) It was like, we probably bit off more than we could chew, but I, at the end of the day, I'm not upset that we did it. I'm glad that we went through that experience. And that's, that's kind of a little bit on a little insight, I guess, on what that looked like for us.
1: Right. And so after going through that first deal and making a few, maybe a few mistakes and a few, uh, you got, you know, you you learned a lot from it. What made you want to say, I'm ready for the next one. Right. And what was, and what, and what was that next one? So I was ready for the next one almost immediately.
0: I mean, just, but I knew the next one was not going to be me. It wasn't going to be just me and my wife trying to handle all of the finances and all the asset management and the contract. I just knew there was zero chance that I was honestly even going to be able to convince my wife to let me buy another one, just us. (laughs) Like if we were going to buy another one, it had to be with someone else that maybe had some more money, had some more experience, access to capital, what have you that could help us continue to grow this business. So I knew I wanted to buy the next one probably within that first uh, one to six month time frame of having bought the fourplex um, and having begun the renovations. And we had finally moved into our unit that we were going to live in. Because when we first moved in, we lived in three of the units were uninhabitable. And one of them was really, you could hardly say uninhab- or uninhabitable, but it was a little better than the rest. There's still no AC, no heat. It was in the heat of the summer, hundred year old house, Southern Alabama. Oh, it was bad. We had like a box <laughs> fan and that was about it. Uh, there was cockroaches everywhere. Our, we, our furniture was just all over the place. We didn't even have a lot of furniture and <laughs> it, it was rough. So, after having renovated, the first unit we renovated was the one we were going to live in permanently, which is the smallest one. So then we moved into that, you know, and then it was like, okay, it's a little bit more comfortable. We've actually got some AC. We've got like our, our permanent living space for now while we build the rest up to house hack. So at that point I was like, yes, I still want to be working towards, you know, getting the rest of these units online. But at the same time I was learning, how can I scale this? You know, obviously I, There's no way I can buy something like this again, just me and this workout. So I just was all along the process beginning to dive deeper into what multifamily was and what it would look like buying larger multifamily deals and how that was possible. And then I stumbled upon syndication. And so after stumbling upon that, I made it a point to really start building a lot of relationships with individuals. Um, And so actually the way that I found my first business partner was he messaged me through bigger pockets and it was funny because he lived in gulf shores and i lived in mobile we were literally like 30 minutes from each other but we wow. somehow met on bigger pockets <laughs> nationwide and he messaged me i was like hey man you see that your local xyz would love to connect so we ended up getting coffee um, together in person and the initial intent that i had going into this this meetup was just like, Hey, this dude's local. He's probably got some good experience or maybe some good connections and maybe best case, you know, I could get, uh, I could try to add value to him in some way with some of the connections he has. He could try to help me with some connections because the goal was to continue creating connections. Well, We sat down at this coffee shop and started talking and found out that we had a lot more in common than we thought. Like he was trying, he was been in the single family space for about 10 years. And I was like, dang, 10 years, that's so long. At that time, I had only been in real estate for like a year, if that I'm like, I've got this fourplex, you know, that's about the gist of the experience that I have in the process of, you know, house hacking it, trying to fix the units up, live for free. And he was like, that's cool. He's like, yeah, but I'm trying to get into larger multifamily. And he was like, yeah, I've actually been thinking about getting into larger multifamily. Not really sure how I would enter into that, but I've been considering, uh, because he primarily just flipped homes for the last 10 years. That was kind of his, Mm -hmm. his niche. And gotcha. So he's like, yeah, I've been wanting to grow and get some more passive income um, with with multifamily. And so I had more of the like knowledge base of how multifamily worked, syndication structure, and I had begun generating a lot of connections previous to this with other people in the multifamily space in the area. And so what I was bringing was really the connections I had to multifamily. wasn't bringing experience, that's for sure. Right. wasn't bringing capital. <laughs> I had none. I had nothing but connections. So he then i also found out that he was a, a bass player he played bass i played drums It's like bro i've been playing drums for the last like 13 years man we've got a jam and he's like yeah i got a band and we we jam in this like garage around around the band or whatever and he played rock music and i've always been into rock and heavy metal I'm like dude this is just bait. like this is amazing we've got seriously to so found that out we're both in a multi-family we're both musicians we both loved working out first when we met and i like actually saw him in person because you know in bigger pockets, you just have like a headshot. So I just saw like his his face. Dude was jacked.
1: Dude was,
0: <laughs> was a solid dude. And I'm like, bro, you must like working out. Cause I have always loved working out. So it was like that. Then I found out he was in love with asset management. He loved managing properties and managing like the actual construction aspect of things. I'm like, I'm so glad you love that. Cause I'm realizing real quickly that I absolutely hated handling this fourplex. And then I just wasn't good at it anyway. So I'm like, what I do love, though, is talking to people, educating folks on what I do know, creating relationships. And at the time, I didn't know that I was going to be good at raising capital, but I'm like, I know capital raising's in there. You know, I'll kind of learn that skill as we go. I'd love to be kind of the capital raiser. And so we just found out that we had like this complimentary skill set. So we ended up leaving, uh, leaving this thing, you know, the, the meetup ended. Two two months go by and we didn't talk to each other at all. And then he calls me out of the blue one day and says, Hey, I got this 21 unit single family portfolio that uh, just kind of fell on my lap. You know, I know it's not multifamily, but it can be syndicated. And, you know, we could we could raise some money here. We could kind of learn the syndication structure. It is buying a lot of units at once. And I'm like, it sounds like it crosses a lot of the T's and dots, a lot of the I's, it just so happens to not be multifamily. So I was like, yeah, I'm all in, man. I'll help you out. And if I'm being honest, I was a complete fly on the wall on that deal. He had all of the lending connections. He was the one that actually got approved for the loan because I didn't have any money. He raised the majority of the money. All I really did in that deal was kind of pitch it to people. And then I've been like the investor relations like handling communications and putting together uh spreadsheets like show them so (laughs) really the experience that i gained or the value that i added was just like i guess (laughs) i guess the communication aspect of it with talking you were like you were
1: like a you were like a high level intern
0: because yeah (laughs) because he didn't really like i'm not gonna say he doesn't like talking to people but he doesn't like communicating with investors. He didn't like that aspect of it. So I was like, well, I love talking to people. I'll tell them all about everything. So that was, I guess, the value that I added because I didn't really have any connections in the single family space. I was more the multis. So now that I'm looking back at it, I was really a fly on the wall on that deal. So it was almost kind of like a, a blessing, like a gift that I had met this guy and that we meshed so well together that he wanted to partner with me on this deal because he brought the deal too. I didn't even find the deal.
1: And so then after that, that just kind of
0: snowballed to, to where I am today.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So what well, I guess my question is, was there a particular reason that he reached out to you on that 21 unit portfolio? Did he say, Hey Josh, I'm in need of this. Do you want to partner? Or was he just, do you guys just have a mutual connection um, you know, with each other that you just thought, you know, this would be a great deal to just partner on?
0: Yeah, I've asked him this. I have had questions about why me, you know, of all the people in the world that you could have partnered with on this deal that probably could have brought more value than I did. And I think it just went back to the personal connection that we had created, found out that we had so many similarities and yet complementary skill sets. We had the same vision. We wanted to head in the same direction as far as continuing to grow multifamily. We were in the same market, so we were local to each other. We liked the market we were in, and we wanted to continue investing in that market. So I think there was just a lot of similarities there that it almost just made too much sense to partner together. And so then I was like, "Well, sure, all that might be true, but you know, what was that differentiating factor? Why me?" Right. And he said, "Honestly, it was your drive," because uh, he he himself said, and he does. He has a tremendous drive, uh, like entrepreneurial drive to continue to be better, continue to grow, continue to do amazing things. And he's like, I could just tell from that first meeting we had that you were a lot like me, a lot like a, like a younger version of me who you wanted to grow and you wanted to get to you know, this, this level of success that you had in your head and this vision that we kind of have created together now that you, and that you were going to be all in. You, know, you were you know, all, 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 the way back from the meeting before we even considered being partners, I could tell you were all into real estate investing, even though you didn't have the money, even though you didn't have the experience, it's like all that stuff we can, we can work on as we, as we go along, we'll gain the experience, we'll gain the money, we'll gain the traction and the connections, but you had the drive and drive is not something that I could ever teach a potential partner. So he said that for me, that, that was big for him.
1: Gotcha. Wow. That, that's, that's incredible. And you know, partnerships and, and networking. I think to me, networking is the, the number one thing that anybody, anybody can do. And like you said, you guys got connected through bigger pockets. Another you know as far as as far as money holding a lot of people back, bigger pockets is completely free. You could you know connect you could have connected with them for free, which you, you guys end up connecting. And it's just such a great way to get your foot in the door. And another thing you mentioned too is you guys didn't know Actually, it sounded like when you guys met each other, it was like love at first sight partnership wise. But as far as, as far as when you, when you guys met or messaging each other, you didn't necessarily know it was going to come out of it, but just kind of putting yourself out there, it creates something, you know, you do it enough times and it creates something, um, it creates momentum and it allows you to have that opportunity. So I uh, love that you mentioned that.
0: Because I, I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't uh gone and had coffee with the guy, or if I hadn't have initially created the account on Bigger Pockets in the first place, if I didn't have the boldness to have created the account and then not just create it and leave it there and never get on Bigger Pockets, but also try to be somewhat active. I don't want to say extremely active because you can be extremely active and that'll probably be better for you. But I know a lot of people out there are probably busy. They're probably working W-2 jobs. You have kids, you have a life. That's okay. Just get on it every now and then. Uh, try to be in the forums. Try to be active. Just try to allow people to to find you, or you find people. Because, right. like we're talking about right now, connections and networking is probably the biggest thing that you're ever going to do and or need inside of real estate investing, but probably anything, honestly, any industry you're trying to be a part of. So, just getting out there and having the boldness to to do the stuff.
1: Right. And, and one other key thing I want to say is it's intimidating because everyone starts with you know, zero connections, zero people that they know in the industry. But all you need is one person to lift you up. Obviously, to get that one person to lift you up, you need to talk to 100 different people. But you don't need to be best friends with 100 different people. You know, you don't need to be best friends with every single person that you're talking to. You know, like kind of what I did, network, network around, talk to people, get to know each other. And then you find that one person you have that synergy with. And that's the one that's going to really pull you up. It's not going to be, um, well, I don't have a hundred different people. I know it doesn't matter. You just need to start with one and network, 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 and you're going to find that person kind of like you did who um, you kind of are compatible with and, and work, work well together with. So uh, Josh catch us up to speed. Where are you guys at now in, on the investing side of things? You guys um, did that 21 unit single family portfolio. What was next for you guys and where are you guys at now?
0: The next thing for us was, okay, this is cool. This is awesome. We got our foot in the door on a larger syndication, but it's still not multifamily. It's still Mm -hmm. not the niche that we were trying to get into because we knew there was going to be significantly higher scalability, as Mm -hmm. most people know, inside of buying a bunch of units underneath one roof and one singular location. Right. So, for the next year after that, we dove deep and were very hyper focused inside of multifamily, building connections, talking to brokers, trying to create this credibility. And it was hard. You know, I had closed the fourplex and now this 21 unit single family portfolio, which showed that we could, you know, raise money or close a larger deal. And Reggie had been in the space for over a decade and had all this experience, and it was still like, man, the gnawing of teeth, pulling teeth to try to get brokers to take me seriously and be like, yes, I can close a deal. I know we haven't closed like a large multifamily, but this is the goal. This is where we're headed. So creating those connections, creating those relationships, um, and just trying to find a deal man. Also, also the money raising, you know, a lot of people, I think one big myth, huge myth inside of syndication is that if you find a deal, the money will come. The money's not coming. Don't let (laughs) nobody tell you that people have to know, like, and trust you long before the deal comes because a hundred percent of the time they're investing in you. And the deal is just a byproduct of their relationship with you. So, trying to create connections and relationships with investors so that we could start building a a network and like a capital stack of, you know, how big of a deal can we buy? How much money do we think we will be able to raise once we actually get that deal under contract? So, you know, a year goes by, it was a full year when we finally, you know, found a deal that we were going to be able to, that we got under contract and then closed. And, you know, throughout that process, we probably submitted to a gajillion LOIs
1: that
0: ended ended into nothing, nothing land. But it wasn't until I actually name dropped my mentor, uh, who wasn't a mentor that I paid for. His name's Jeremy Hands. He lives in Pensacola. He's done, he had done like 1,200 units at the time. Who knows where he's at now, but he was helping me along on the like Q&A side of things. So he didn't actually, first of all, I didn't pay for him. It was organic relationship. He didn't send me deals. He didn't give me money. He didn't KP with me on deals. He didn't let me partner on any of the deals he found. It wasn't that kind of mentorship. It was just like anytime I had a question or a concern or wanted to know how to move forward or where to go to learn something or how I needed to underwrite a deal, he was the person I could go to that would answer these questions. And it was phenomenal. It was such a huge help to allow me to get where I am today. So yes, I actually name dropped him to a broker. talking to the broker, I could tell on the other end of the phone, he's like, uh, yeah, whatever, you know, I get a hundred of these calls a day from right. gurus or dudes like you who can't really close anything. And then towards the end, I can't remember what we were talking about, but something came up about a deal that he was getting ready to close uh, and was just like, asking me if that was going to be something that kind of met my criteria or whatever. And I was like, Oh yeah, I know the guy that's, that's selling that deal. That's Jeremy. And he was like, you know, Jeremy, I was like, yeah, he's been my mentor for the last you know year or however long it had been up to that time. And, he was like, "Oh man, you should have said so." And so then, literally, we we got, and you know, throughout this phone call, the dude is telling me he's got no deals, you know, zero, zilch, no deals available. Sorry, you know, it's just it's hard times or whatever, whatever happened the phone call went. And then at the end, I name dropped this guy. We get off the phone. He sends me five deals. Five. I'm like, these were literally sitting in your inbox this entire time. And if I hadn't a name dropped Jeremy, I would have never had access to these deals. So it was just, it was like eye-opening that I need to start name-dropping folks more often, folks that are big in the space that I'm like at least somewhat connected to. So I'm not name-dropping someone that's like, oh, I don't have anything to do with that guy. You know what I mean? So then I, I took that and continued to like, yet yeah, go back to these brokers, you know, talk to them and tell them that I knew these individuals. And I, we started getting some more deal flow and that's kind of what we were using for preliminary experience and underwriting and figuring all that out. But actually the first deal that we bought, the 42 unit apartment that we closed on the first multifamily was my mentor's deal that he was selling that he brought to me. Uh, he just emailed me one day and was like, Hey, you got this deal. We're thinking about selling um this is august of of last year 2020 he said if you guys can close on this before the end of the year and we don't go through a broker i'll give you like a four hundred thousand dollar discount but if we have to if we have to go through a broker and you can't close before the end of the year then i'm probably gonna list it next year in january or february and i'll be sure that you're like the first one that sees it Like, bro don't go through any of that hassle we are buying this thing, four hundred thousand dollar discount it's happening And we did. It ended up being the first deal that we actually closed. So my mentor has been actually a tremendous help along this entire journey. Sounds like like it. Really entering into the space. So that's more to where we are today. I went over a little bit in the earlier in the beginning, but we've since closed the 42 unit and a 34 unit apartment community. We've got another 88 unit under contract and this luxury flip, which is it's, it's more to help with the capital stack. You know, Reggie's got all the experience with flipping and it just kind of fell in his lap. And he was like, it's a little too big uh, capital wise for me to kind of do on my own with the processes he already had in place. So how about we turn it into some form of a syndication um, and do it that way. So it's just going to be like quick, quick money. Basically, we're going to we as GPs, I think, are going to make fifty to one hundred thousand dollars a piece nice. uh, over like a, you know, three to six month time frame. So it's like, great, we'll just use that. We'll funnel that right back into the multifamily. So we've got that. We've got another one hundred and forty eight units that we've got some PSAs out on now that are very seeming very promising. Uh, we should be hearing something back actually today. So fingers crossed. Um So there's that. And then we've got another probably four or 500 units worth of LOIs out now currently on some other multifamilies. We're primarily in the Gulf Coast, but being that we're actually trying to hit a thousand units this year, we begin branching out into some of the northern MSAs in Alabama, uh, as well as maybe west into Mississippi and Louisiana. And then we are in the northern Florida panhandle as well.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited to hear about the flip, the luxury flip you told me a little bit a little bit about that before and just excited to watch you crush it um with you know all the all the things you got going on so Josh, is there any last thing you want to mention about where you're at before we move on to the next section of our show
0: about where i'm at um i think one last thing i would mention is figuring out where you know for the listeners out there figure out where you want to be before you can Figure out like where you're at, for you can figure out kind of where where you're going, where you're headed, what you're doing. And I think a great book that has been huge, tremendous for me and my uh, my partners is a book called uh, "Vivid Vision" by mm-hmm. Cameron Harold. Phenomenal book, and we've actually begun incorporating the Vivid Vision. It's taken longer. Than it should have for me to actually sit down and do this thing. But we are beginning to incorporate the vision in our business. And it's giving us a wide open view, or I guess a narrow view, I should say. A of vivid, vivid vision. vision. Yeah, a narrow <laughs> view of where we want to be. But it's letting me see big picture, what everything's going to cool. look like, uh, like when we get there, as far as day to day. I mean, literally everything down to the T. I've heard other people's vivid visions and they're like, yeah, we. Like we give three months maternity leave. We have one day a week where we just go do something fun. I mean, it's detailed. Like you need to like five to six pages of what it's going to look like when you get there and where exactly you're headed so that everyone can get on board both internally and externally. So we're beginning to create that and that has been huge for us as far as where we're headed. And right right before I stop blabbing here, uh, we had our first a uh, vivid vision like call or conference you know, between us, us partners kind of diving into uh, where do we see ourselves? You know, let's, let's talk big picture here. And then let's take a week or two to dive in personally, figure out where we want to be and then professionally, and then we'll reconvene in a week or two. Well, I was thinking we would be at $50 million assets under management in a three-year time frame. I'm like that seems nice. We've got about 4 million now, 50 million seems reasonable. Oh, bro, if the, I felt like it was a stretch too. Maybe not just reason, <laughs> I was like, it's a little stretching, you know, but we'll yeah. get there. And then Reggie is it's, you know, it's his turn to talk. I'm like, you know, what do you guys think? And he's like 50 million's like chump change, you know, he's like mm-hmm. doubting it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, what are what do you think we can be? And then he's telling me we could be at 200 million. And I'm like, that's insane. But it really <laughs> opened up my mind and perspective to what was possible. And really got me thinking, uh, got the creative brain juices flowing. And then we really were able to have an amazing discussion there. So now that was a lot of blabbing. But all that to say, one last thing before we jump to the next segment, is that you should read the book, Vivid Vision, and then figure out where you want to be so you can really figure out then how you're going to get there.
1: Love it. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And that's that's a book that I actually, you mentioned that last time we chatted, and I actually haven't read it yet. So that's something I'll be picking up. So we're now going to move on to the next section of our show, which is the big four, where we ask all of our guests the same four questions. So Josh, number one, what's your number one habit for success?
0: Oh, man. Number one habit for success, I'm going to have to say, is the miracle morning. My miracle morning routine, which I also incorporated with Brandon Turner's 90-day of intention journal, because the routine is is called like life savers. And savers is an acronym. S is scribing. A is affirmations. B is visualization. E is exercise, R is reading, and the last S is scribing or, or journaling. So instead of just journaling randomly in some open-ended notebook, I bought Brandon Turner's 90 Day of Intention journal and got really intentional about my goals and how I was going to get there and you know, time blocking things and tracking those KPIs, you know, track right. whatever you track, that is what you're really going to pay attention to. And that's really what's going to grow in your business. So for me, it's been taking the time to get up early you know, 30 minutes to an hour and do my, uh, do my miracle morning.
1: Well, that, and that's, that's a book that I, that I've read. I do the miracle morning. If you can see on my walls, here are some of the the morning affirmations and great book, great book. (laughs) So question number two, limiting beliefs are thoughts in our heads that hold us back from realizing our potential. What is one limiting belief that you were able to crush and how did that impact your life?
0: limiting belief that I was able to crush probably is how on earth am I ever going to get into this business without any money? You know, how are you going to invest in real estate? You ain't got no money. What does that look like? Right. <laughs> what? How is that possible? So crushing that just came from education, came from continually talking to people that had already done it. First of all, I'm being like, well, obviously it's possible if they've done it. And then reading up on exactly what it was, because they might explain it briefly or tell me what they did, but I wouldn't have a full understanding of that. So then going home and listening to a podcast or reading a book on diving deep into what that is, what it looks like, the legalities, how it works, how I can incorporate it into my business, and then figuring out that it was possible to get into this business without having much of any money. I won't say zero money at least for me i had to spend a little bit of money to get into the business but some people do actually get in the business with no money so for me limiting belief was how am i going to invest with no money and then educating myself on the fact that it was possible
1: love it so question number three where do you see yourself in five to ten years
0: (laughs) that's a good question Five to 10 years, I see myself no longer inside of the W-2 that I'm in now as an aircraft technician. Not to say that I don't like aviation, love aviation, but I want it to be a hobby. I want to get my private pilot's license and eventually own my own airplanes. I see myself owning my own airplane, having my private pilot's license, being able to travel with my family, probably having a few kids, you know few kids up to in the next five to 10 years uh, and then really being able to spend as much quality time with them as possible. Um, I mean, if we're talking business, you know, we could spend hours talking about that. But for the purpose of this specific question, I guess I'll just talk personal and family. So I see myself having a few kids and being able to spend so much time with them, it's ridiculous. Granted, I'm gonna want I'm gonna want me time, yes. And I'll do that by working on the business, whether that's having an office outside of the house or having my own office or whatever it is, I'll figure that out when I get there. But I want to be working full time in my syndication business, continuing to grow that and spending bucos of time. Just with my family, going on vacations, doing what we want when we want, being able to take them to you know ballet practices, soccer practices, and all that good stuff.
1: Love it, love it, great, great vision. That's uh, sounds something like a pretty vivid vision to me. <laughs> so, so question number four. I know you mentioned one already, but uh, if you can dig for another one, what is your favorite real estate, business, or personal development related book?
0: Vivid Vision, check it out. And then the book that had the biggest impact on me in 2020 was Jocko Willink's Extreme Ownership. I read that book with an open mind. I heard him on Bigger Pockets, and that was what opened me up to even him existing. You know, this retired Navy SEAL that's like this awesome leader. I'm like, I would love to learn more about leadership because if there was one thing that I always felt like I lacked, it was proper leadership skills, you know, communicating with. Uh, you know, really running a company and then communicating with employees and making sure that everything right. runs smoothly, being a good leader, uh, as well as in my personal life, being a husband. I didn't think that I was necessarily a crappy leader, but I was like, there's so much room for improvement here. So the fact that he wrote this leadership book, Extreme Ownership, is like, I got to read this. And I read it. And at the time, I didn't have uh, employees or anyone to do it with on that front. But extreme ownership came from all angles. It came from just accepting blame when something goes wrong, that you're involved with like a good leader is going to be taking blame when something goes awry, or when something right. isn't done properly. And a lot of people think about that. And they're like, well, there's no way that's possible. You know, and then some people give excuses of like, Natural, uh, like natural disasters. Like, well, what if the weather was bad and there was zero way we could have done it anyway? I can't control that. It's not my fault. And he gives he gives a lot of uh, good examples in the book actually that completely combat that and make you feel utterly, you know, wow. at fault. And you're like, well, <laughs> dang, I could have done that. Why didn't I think of that? And so I was able to incorporate that in my personal life more than anything with my wife taking ownership. And if there's one thing I know I was not doing at the time, it was I was completely stubborn and I probably still am and I could probably still continue working on it. But whenever we got in like an argument or something, I would never apologize and never say that something was my fault. I would just like fight it to the end. So after reading this book, I was like, what am I doing? what is wrong with me? You know, I'm not being a leader in this marriage. I need to just start taking blame, taking fault. I'm supposed to be the the head of the household and the one that's leading you in the right direction. And I'm literally leading you down the drain right now. So I was able to completely turn my personal life around by reading this book. And I know that was a long-winded version to tell you one book. Yeah. Extreme Ownership, Jocko Willis.
1: Extreme Ownership, definitely want to check that. I've heard that one a few times as well. And something that another book I need to check out. Awesome. And so, Josh, where can the listeners get a hold of you?
0: You can find me at FerrariCapital.com. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter and stay involved with any new investments we have coming up, get uh educational piece of information once a month. And also a lot of people like the newsletter because we give market data, market updates, and market specifics in some of the markets that we're investing in. So you could sign up for that. We've also got a free ebook on the homepage. Not an original title. It's the ultimate guide to investing in multifamily syndications. And it's just a a good overview of what the ins and outs and the structure looks like of a syndication, both on the active side and the passive side. So if you're really wanting to learn more about syndication, whether you're wanting to invest with someone or get into it yourself, that's a great little ebook to read. Uh, I've also got a podcast, Creative Capital. So you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and then social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Instagram is Ferrari Capital. And then uh, Facebook and LinkedIn is Josh Ferrari.
1: Awesome. Tons of places to get you and uh, highly recommend my listeners reach out to you. I was actually recently on Josh Josh's podcast. So I'm not sure when these both episodes are going to air. <laughs> but you should be able to catch my episode on Josh's podcast as well. So definitely go check that out. And uh, yeah, connect with them for sure. So Josh, just want to say thanks for coming on the show today. Pleasure having you on, sharing your story, you know, from that first fourplex to the, to the syndication and, and where you are now. Super impressive, super awesome. And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your journey.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. You actually asked all the right questions. And I say that because I feel like I've been on a fair amount of podcasts now, maybe like 15, it's not a whole lot, but every podcast I've been on, a lot of them ask very similar questions. And so you were actually able to extract new information that no one's ever asked me. So I
1: appreciate it. Way to be a great host. (laughs) Thank you, Josh.
0: Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast. For more resources or to connect with us further, please visit our website, www.baileykramer.com. We'll see you next time.